0: welcome to What Happened Here. I'm Hannah Allman Kennedy. I'm a writer and educator with a fascination for places. A point in time and space where nature, history, culture, and infrastructure collide. Join me each week as I look at an interesting, forgotten, or just plain weird place and ask, what happened here? Well, hello and welcome back to What Happened Here, the podcast where we talk about places and the stories that they have to tell us. Um, In this episode, we are moving out of Pennsylvania across the Atlantic Ocean to an interesting and unusual place far away in Eastern Europe. This place was recommended to me by my friend Amelia on Instagram and also inspired by my friends in the L writing group. We often talk about interesting places to write about. So thank you to everyone for igniting my interest in this place and sending me down a Google rabbit hole, which I thoroughly enjoyed. This also serves as a standing offer for everyone listening. If you know of a place you think is interesting, let me know on Instagram or email me at whathappenedherepod at gmail.com. I would love to feature places that you guys are interested in, um, not just for you guys, although obviously I want you to enjoy what we're talking about in the podcast, um, but also for me. I really enjoy learning about new places, and today's episode is a great example of something I didn't know much about, but learned a lot about. So the place we're looking at today is called the Hill of the Crosses, and it is located in Lithuania in Eastern Europe. And just quickly, some sources used for this episode are lithuania.travel.com, National Geographic, UNESCO, and a bunch of different Wikipedia pages because this was a true Wikipedia rabbit hole. And um, so all of the links to those different sources are in the show notes. I encourage you to take a look um, and I'm sure they will be as interesting to you as they were to me. Um, I was not prepared for the places that this place would take me, if that makes sense. I ended up way in over my head researching. I had a ton of fun learning more about something I wasn't really familiar with as I mentioned before, a lot of places, I mean, in the pod so far, we've covered places in Pennsylvania, which I have a little bit more of a background with. So it's special to get to learn about a new place, one that is more mysterious and unfamiliar to me, and I'm sure you'll find it as fascinating as I did. So let's dig into this episode, The Hill of Crosses in Lithuania. If you drive 12 kilometers, or about seven and a half miles, north of the Lithuanian city of Shole, you'll find yourself in remote farmland, green fields rippling placidly under the blue sky. In the midst of this peaceful farmland, a small hill stands over the sea of green, the site of a fort long gone. But now, the hill is something else. As you get closer, the image begins to take shape, at once inspiring and unsettling for this little hill is covered with more than a hundred thousand crosses, sticking out of the ground like unusual trees made of wood, stone, and metal. The hill, tattooed with walking trails and staircases, allows visitors to climb to the very top, provided, of course, that they can find their way through the maze of crosses, statues, rosaries, carvings, and effigies, some of which are centuries old. As the sun rises each morning, this mound of weathered wood and metal is cast in shadow and fog. And as each day progresses, the prickly shadows disappear, the crosses starkly outlined in the midday light before plunging into golden light and shadow yet again with the approach of nighttime. This is the Hill of the Crosses. So that's a little unusual, right? Um, what the heck happened here? To answer that question, we have to go back in time, as we so often must, and learn a little about the history of the country of Lithuania. And just a disclaimer here, the history of Lithuania is fascinating and complex and nuanced and centuries old. I'm going to give a summary here, and I apologize in advance if I simplify things for the sake of time. I encourage you to take a look at the sources in the show notes and do your own research on this fascinating country. I also encourage anyone familiar with the country to comment on Instagram or send me an email, letting me know if you have anything else to add. I hope that this episode is a loving, if brief, story about this fascinating place, and that it serves to interest those who didn't know much about it before, like it did for me. Okay, with that said, back to it. The history of Lithuania. First, location, location, location. Lithuania is one of the Baltic countries of northeastern Europe. It's bordered by the Baltic Sea to the west, where it shares a water border with Sweden, Latvia to the north, and Belarus and Poland to the east and south. Lithuania covers 65,300 square kilometers, or about 25,300 square miles, and is home to just under 3 million people. Its capital city is Vilnius, and its official language is Lithuanian. The country has a thriving culture, a national identity, and a vibrant democracy, making it an influential country in Europe. But things were not always this way. Nearly a thousand years ago in the Middle Ages, Lithuania was a place of conflict. Vikings and other invaders routinely came, saw, and conquered, and Lithuania developed a strong military to fend off these attackers. By the late 1300s, it was one of the biggest nations in Europe and included parts of modern-day Belarus, Ukraine, Poland, and Russia. In 1569, Lithuania and Poland got together and formed the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, and this was the beginning of a close relationship between the two countries, which lasted for many years. While each had their own separate governments and customs, They enjoyed shared resources and a vibrant shared culture during the Renaissance and Protestant Reformation. However, if you know anything about European history, you know that it was a hot mess at this time, with empires clashing and invading and fighting and then redrawing the lines of countries again and again. In the mid-1600s, this hot mess spilled over toward the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, and the Russian army took the Lithuanian capital of Vilnius in 1655. This marked the first time in the history of Lithuania that a foreign army was able to do this, and it was devastating. Eight to 10,000 people were killed, Vilnius was burned for 17 days, and significant Lithuanian cultural items and buildings were lost forever. This understandably did not have a good effect on Lithuania. Into the 1700s, the country experienced more war, famine, plague, political corruption, and all of this led to the death of approximately 40% of the population. Other countries, primarily Russia, regularly meddled in Lithuanian politics and society. And so by the end of the 1700s, Lithuania was done with this. They attempted to rebuild, passing the Constitution of 3 May 1791, with the goal of creating a stronger, more democratic state and cutting back on the liberties, which the aristocracy had for so long enjoyed and abused. They also increased the rights of the peasant class, trying to have some kind of um, greater equality in their society. This document, this Constitution, was directly influenced by the newly adopted U.S. Constitution only a few years prior. So all of this was kind of happening at the same time. These countries were sort of influencing each other. However, in the midst of this attempt to rebuild, surrounding empires closed in. Little by little, over two decades, the Russian, Austrian, and Prussian empires worked together to divide and conquer parts of Lithuania and Poland separating them from each other and from themselves. Once the new constitution was passed in 1791, these empires grew worried that the Commonwealth would grow too strong and too confident and too democratic. So they swooped in to completely take over Poland and Lithuania by 1795. From this point on, most of Lithuania was ruled by the Russian Empire, and despite rebelling in 1831 and 1863, Lithuania was ruled with an iron fist. Lithuanian culture, press, and education were banned, as the Empire forced Lithuanians to conform to Russian culture and identity. Despite this oppression, the Lithuanian people retained their cultural heritage, smuggling Lithuanian books and schooling their children in secret. This period led to a lively tradition of resistance in Lithuania, as the people fought to preserve their national identity, advocate for their rights, and resist Russification. Ultimately, the Empire's attempts to suppress Lithuanian cultural identity failed, even if politically the country was still controlled by the Empire. During this period, many Lithuanians also emigrated to the United States, with Illinois and Pennsylvania being the two states with the largest populations of Lithuanian immigrants. The U.S. welcomed Lithuanian immigrants for many decades until the 1920s, when the U.S. closed its borders to immigrants from Eastern Europe, limiting the number of these populations who could come to the U.S. up until 1967, which is another interesting rabbit hole if you want to go down it. Anyway... Back to Lithuania. During World War I, at the beginning of the 20th century, Lithuania was occupied by German forces. With this occupation, Lithuanians lost any political and social rights they had thus far accomplished during Russian occupation. But they increased the resistance and took advantage of the shifting politics at the end of the war, as fighting ceased, treaties were signed, and the borders of countries were once again redrawn they decided to declare their independence. They established their own constitution and prime minister. They fought off the Bolsheviks who were attempting to bring Lithuania into the burgeoning Soviet Union, and also fought off other neighboring countries who were attempting to reabsorb Lithuania. Everyone was kind of obsessed with them. Everyone wanted a piece of Lithuania, kind of weird. And so at the end of World War I, hope finally came to Lithuania. Finally, their arts, culture, education, and newly born democracy thrived. The country joined the League of Nations, which was the precursor to the present-day United Nations, and they enjoyed a stability that they had not experienced in a long time. But unfortunately, this was short-lived. Europe in the 1920s was a crazy time, as the continent recovered from one devastating war and unknowingly hurtled toward another one. In Lithuania, corruption crept into the political system, And it, like many other countries in Europe, struggled to find the balance between pre-war imperial monarchy and post-war democracy. Lithuania, like many other countries in Europe, morphed into an authoritarian state, giving more power to the president, outlawing opposing political parties, increasing censorship, and limiting the rights of minorities. And, as in the rest of Europe, this did not go well. By the beginning of world war ii the democratic strides lithuania had made were weakened and the country was forced to give up some of its land to nazi germany and also to allow soviet russia to build military bases within the country's borders once again lithuania was under occupation but true to their nature lithuanians didn't take this lying down and this theme comes up again and again if you haven't already realized and it's one of my favorite parts of the story the Lithuanian resistance, up to 50,000 fighters, fought both the Soviets and the Nazis in turn. At the end of the war, as the Soviet Union scooped up surrounding nations one by one, Lithuania continued to be occupied and was again oppressed by the regime. Lithuanians were sent to Siberia and mass, cultural icons and cy- symbols were outlawed, and attempts were made to bring people in from other Soviet countries, diluting the Lithuanianness of the country. But guys, these Lithuanians would not give up. They resisted again and again, despite all odds. From guerrilla warfare in the forests, where they would fight with Soviets in the woods, to public rallies and protests, to information campaigns letting the rest of the world know about the injustices going on in their country. Lithuania made it very clear. Their invaders were not welcome. They would not submit. They would not conform and they would not be anything other than a free and independent lithuania and finally they earned it in 1990 lithuania announced its independence once and for all becoming the first country in the failing soviet union to do so despite pressure and resistance from the soviet occupation Lithuania did not relent, instead establishing its own democratic government and constitution, fending off Soviet forces, and connecting with other countries who recognized its autonomy. Since that time, Lithuania has grown into a thriving European country. It's part of the European Union, NATO, and the World Trade Organization. It regularly collaborates and works together with other democracies of Europe. It elected its first female president in 2009, a feat we in the U.S. still have yet to accomplish, ahem, ahem, and enjoys a stable democracy, public health system, and thriving infrastructure. Most importantly, Lithuania's strong cultural identity, which was for so long suppressed and which kept the nation alive in the hearts of its people for so long, is flourishing. One art form which is integral to Lithuanian culture is that of cross-crafting. For centuries, the making of crosses, altars, and other religious art has become symbolic of the Lithuanian people, their culture, their resilience, and their Roman Catholic faith. The tradition of cross-crafting has been handed down from generation to generation. Crosses are made from wood or metal and blend artistic methods including sculpture, carpentry, carving, and metalwork. They often feature floral or geometric patterns, religious images, and statues. Crosses serve as memorials to important events, people, and places, and are often found by roads, the entrances to villages and towns, and on the Hill of Crosses. So that was a long journey we just took to get back to this place. But I think it was an important journey to take, because without the backstory of all the Lithuanian people and their nation went through, we can't appreciate the Hill of Crosses nearly enough. Remember how at the end of the 1700s, Lithuania passed its own constitution, using the U.S. constitution as an influence? Remember how those other empires swooped in and took over? Remember how, for most of the 1800s, Lithuania was occupied by the Russian Empire? Well, in 1831 and 1863, during the uprisings in which Lithuania fought for its independence, so many Lithuanian fighters died that their loved ones couldn't find their bodies to bury and honor. So the families created a sort of communal memorial, placing the crosses they had crafted on this hill in memory of the dead. As the years passed, as wars broke out and the country was occupied and freed and occupied again, Lithuanians regularly made pilgrimage to this hill, bringing their crosses, their rosaries, their offerings, and their prayers for peace and freedom. The hill became a symbol of Lithuanian culture, endurance, and defiance. So much so that during Soviet occupation, the hill was bulldozed by the authorities multiple times. And yet somehow the crosses kept appearing, the people kept coming. In 1993, after the fall of the Soviet Union and the permanent independence of Lithuania, Pope John Paul II visited the site. And in the year 2000, a Franciscan religious community was established nearby. These events added a sense of legitimacy of recognition for all those who had come here to practice their faith and pray for their people. A memorial stone at the Hill of Crosses quotes Pope John Paul II as saying, quote, Thank you, Lithuanians, for this Hill of Crosses, which testifies to the nations of Europe and to the whole world, the faith of the people of this land, end quote. In 2006, 100,000 crosses were counted on the hill, and I can only imagine that the number is far larger now. You can visit the Hill of Crosses today, and it's on my list of places to visit. It stands as a somber, eerie, and yet beautiful testament to the strength of a people who refused to give up, who demanded, fought for, and earned the right to live in the place they call home on their own terms. So that's what happened at the Hill of Crosses. So that's the episode for today, guys. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned and enjoyed as much about the Hill of Crosses and Lithuanian culture as much as I did. I think it's fitting that we're covering this uh, today. In the U.S., it's Memorial Day weekend, and it's a time where we honor people who have passed, especially people who have fought in the armed forces um, and who have fought, I would say, you know, serving their communities in other ways as well. Um, and so it's kind of this somber time, but also a, a bittersweet time um, of memory and thankfulness. And I think that that is just an interesting um, counterbalance to what we're talking about today. Also, another reason I think this is interesting to talk about is, um, you know, Eastern Europe is, has been in the news quite a bit in the past few months as Ukraine has been invaded by um, Russia. And we kind of see this pattern happening again and again in various histories and various countries. Um, It happened to Lithuania many times, as we just learned. Um, And it means a lot to me as well, because I just recently, uh, my family kind of just recently found that we had more Ukrainian, Eastern European, um, probably some Lithuanian ancestry that we didn't know of before. And so kind of connecting with that and thinking about that um, has been really bittersweet and interesting. Um, so all that to say, this topic is really interesting and important to me. Um, I've really enjoyed learning about this place, and I hope you have too. As I said before, please let me know your comments, your thoughts, your questions, um, either on Instagram or through email, whathappentherepod at gmail.com. Also, please let me know of any places you think are interesting and that you would like to cover. Um, or you would like me to cover you can cover it yourself if you want to Um, but even if you know a lot about it you can tell me what you know I'll do my research we kind of you know work on it together um, and we'll tell the story here on what happened here thanks so much for listening have a great week what happened here is written by me Hannah Allman-Kennedy Please subscribe and leave a review if you enjoyed today's episode. You can find What Happened Here wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on our featured places, follow the pod on Instagram at whathappenedhere.pod. You can also find me online at hannahakwrites.com, where I share my recent writings and projects. I'm currently promoting my newest book, And It All Came Tumbling Down, a novel set among the oil ghost towns of Inigo County, Pennsylvania. Check out my website to learn more.